morning. Good to have each of you in the Lord's house for worship hour this morning. Brother John is on vacation up in Maine, so I am your song leader this morning. We're going to start off with a couple songs. I'm so glad and God be the glory. And then we're going to open up in prayer while we're singing. It gives folks a chance to come in and get their seats. So let's start off. Uh, let's go ahead and stand and we'll sing. I'm so glad. And then to God be the glory. Lots of nice smiley faces. That is great, isn't it? It's good to be in the Lord's house. And isn't it nice that we have air conditioning? I like that. I like that. Now, for years, we didn't have air conditioning, but it's nice that we have it. It's a blessing, isn't it? Um, let's go ahead and open in prayer, and I'm going to let you sit down and relax. But don't fall asleep. Father in heaven, we come before you, Lord, and we thank you for your many blessings to us. And Lord, we do want to just, just lift you up in song and praise and prayer. We have come and gathered this morning 
because we want you to speak to our hearts. We want you to draw us nearer to you. And we also want to encourage one another. Help us to have a service, Lord, that does all those things that you might be honored. In Christ's name we pray, amen. amen. Please be seated. And at this time, our choir is going to minister to us in song.
Lots of our choir folks on vacation, but boy, they still sound strong, don't they? Did a great job. That's a blessing. Um, As many of you know, we have been trying to help out our missionary in Romania who has been helping people coming out of the Ukraine. Well, this week they sent me a video um, of our missionary and the missions director over the Baptist Bible Fellowship. So Brother John Conrup flew over there and they videoed some of what our missionary is doing. And they sent us a little video. I'm gonna share that with you. You have invested in all that they're gonna show you. You've invested in the feeding center and the, the housing, all of that. You've been a part of that as well as many other churches in our fellowship of churches. So Brother Mike, if you can turn that on, kind of share with you. I'm in a mountainous region of Romania, and just below this location is a town of Kumpalung. In Kumpalung is where Manor Worldwide has their orphanage. And it's at this orphanage that we have a number of Ukrainian refugees that are staying there. There's about 17 of them. There's really two ways that your funds have been used. Number one is to help these who are in Kumpalung, who have made it uh, this far, uh, being assisted by the government Uh, looking for locations that can house these refugees. And so we've had the opportunity to work with them. So your support has gone to help them in their food, clothes, and other supplies as they have uh, lost pretty much everything back in their home area. In fact, this group of people, just as I've been here, they were told that in the last day, day and a half, over 70 bombs have landed in their hometown area. And uh, they're getting word back that many of them have lost everything. There's nothing standing. This is the father's house where we are able to house the Ukrainian refugees. And they are very grateful to have a place like this. One of the ladies that's here, her husband is still back in the Ukraine. He works with security. But just before the war, they had uh, twin girls. Through that time, they were wanting to get their own place to live and uh, have their own apartment. So they had saved up some money and put money down, got a loan, put money down on the apartment. Uh, A little while later, the war started and they had to leave. And since that time, that building has been destroyed. Unfortunately, they still have to pay the loan for that apartment. This is Rika Gonchalia. He is our missionary with the BBFI in Romania. He's been here for a long time, has many churches in the country. He is the one who is leading the efforts with his team to be able to help the Ukrainian refugees. We have 17 that are here at this time, but we can house more, but it's gonna take more finances to help them because not only do we feed them 
every day, but we clothe them and we provide all kinds of things for them. They're, most of them cannot work here. They don't even know the Romanian language. We have a church here in this town and they've attended the church, but even then it's hard for them because they don't understand the language. So we do have the opportunity here while they are here to share the gospel with them. So pray that as they hear the gospel and as we present it, that they will come to know Jesus Christ as their personal savior. Also, an area that you are assisting with is going across the border into Ukraine. Our missionary, Rika Gonchalia, along with other local pastors in Romania, are meeting up with pastors in the Ukraine and they are taking supplies. We sent a, a large semi-truck of supplies into the uh, city of Kiev and uh, it's through these efforts that they are then able to minister to people physically but also then spiritually uh, by giving them the Word of God and sharing uh, the gospel with them. So those are two of the main areas that we have been a part of helping refugees in the Ukraine. And so I want to thank you for what you've done. And I, we don't know how long this is going to go on. It could be for quite a while, for a few years. And so your continued support in helping these refugees as they have nowhere else to go, nowhere else to go. And we're here so that we can help them. Brother John Connorup is going to come in October. He's going to be part of our Missions Emphasis Month. He's actually the speaker for our men's conference, and then he's going to come and he's going to preach here for our one of the weeks in our Missions Emphasis Month. But Brother Rika, who you saw, the missionary, he has been here as well. Um, and we have not only helped with the housing and the food. Rika had called me probably a month ago and one of the vehicles they used to go into the Ukraine and shuttle people out had gotten destroyed. And so we, along with other churches, he had called me and says, can you send money right away? And we sent funds right away to help them get a vehicle to continue to go in there and do all they can to help these people. I just wanted to show you that because I want you to know that the, the missions money you give it, it makes a tangible difference in people's lives. And this is just one little piece of what goes on around the world. But sometimes there's local people that we can help too. We have a young mom in our church, her name is Diana. I don't know, where's Diana? Right here. Stand up, Diana, would you? And Diana, what country are you from? Kenya. Kenya. And so Diana's trying to work through her paperwork in the United States but she really needs to find some cleaning jobs, gardening jobs, some little odds and end jobs to help her get by during this time. And maybe you'd like to help Diana. Talk to her after church and just see if you can't give her a hand. Amen? It's what we should do as Christians as much as we can. Thanks for standing up, Diana. Um, so we are gonna sing the Lily of the Valley and Jesus draw me ever nearer.
Did I mess up or you? No, I think mutual. Mutual, yeah. Okay. It's called mutual destruction. You ready? Yes. some apostles, and he being God. God gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man or mankind unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. 
but speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things which is head, even Christ. When we look at this text, it starts off by reminding us that God has set some things in place because he has a goal set for all of us. The things he set in place were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers. He desires to see the saints perfected according to verse 12. He wants to see them do the work of the ministry. He wants to see the body of Christ edifying. When we come to that next verse, he really kind of hones in on our individual goals for us to accomplish that for him. Now, I don't know about you, but certainly in my life, I really desire to please the Lord in my life. When I, when I received Christ as a 16-year-old kid, it took me a while to get on track and really understand uh, what it was to be a Christian. I didn't even know any Christians. It was a really a, a new thing to me. And I had to learn and grow and be exposed and, and to begin to a, a, adopt scripture and the pattern in my life of living like Christ. It took time, but it was working towards the goal. And here he's saying to us, he understands. We need the tools. We need, we need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers to help us to learn all that we need to start working towards the goal. When I was in high school, I played football. And when we'd start the new school year and the new season, you know, it started out with the basics. They'd get you out there. They'd get you all set, geared up. They'd teach you how to hit, how to run, all that stuff. You had to learn the basics before you ever started learning the plays. Well, here God is telling us. He's put everything in place for us to learn the basics. And why? Verse 12. Because he wants to see the saints perfected. He wants to see the work of the ministry. He wants the body of Christ to edify one another and make a difference for God. How are we going to do that? How are we going to work towards that goal? He lays it out for us. As he comes down, he's going to show us six things that we need to do. Look at verse 13. He says, till we come in the unity of the faith. So our goal we're working towards, he starts with the unity of the faith. You and I, you and I as the children of God, you and I as part of Victory Baptist Church, you and I as part of the kingdom of God, he says we need to be a people who work in unity. Turn with me, if you would, over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 in your New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I'm going to show you verse 10. As we come down here, it says, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. So God tells us, I desire to achieve this goal of seeing you grow in your faith. And it starts with us being united one with another. In fact, look with me in 1 Corinthians over to chapter 12, verse 25, if you would. It says that there should be no schism in the body, no division in the body. Talking about the body of Christ. 
But the members should have the same care one for another. You and I should be united in Christ. United in our faith. United in our vision. United in our labor. Working together to honor and glorify Him. He gave us apostles. He gave us prophets. He gave us evangelists. He gave us pastor teachers. That we might learn the truths of the word of God. That we might be empowered to come together in unity. If you've ever worked for people that have a lot of employees. You know those employees have to work together, don't they? I know that Zach right now is doing a big painting job with his wife. His mother. And at least one teenager, right? Now that's not a big crew. But it's big enough. That's four people, and they have to work together, don't they? You can't have one guy down here scraping with an, another guy up above him painting, because why? You're going to get paint all over the guy down there, right? And you probably can't go ahead and have a guy up above scraping while another guy's down below painting, because what's going to happen? You're going to get all that scraping stuff on you. So somebody's got to coordinate them to be in unity, right? And that's probably Emily, I'm assuming. You, know, you, you usually let the wife do that, and you kind of handle everything around that. But you and I in our lives, we understand the concept of unity. People coming and working together in unity. And God cares about that. He talks about it here. He says he's looking for you and I to accomplish that. That's part of the goal, reaching up into that arched, curved, what do we call it, that wall, Kim? Warped, warped wall. He's running up that wall, grabbing the top. And the top for us this morning is learning to work together in unity. Go back with me to our text, though, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Look at what it goes on to say. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, that phrase, to come into the knowledge of the Son of God, is directly linked to the next phrase. So listen to them together. To come in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Now, the word man here is really used in the sense of mankind, a perfect person, humankind. He's saying to you and I, we in unity work together that we might understand Christ in us, perfecting us. Him making us who and what we should be as a Christian. I told you I received Christ when I was 16 years old. It took me a long time to begin to change habits and patterns in my life. I was just talking to somebody the other day. Uh, I told you I played football in high school. My dad was a boxer when I was a small kid. We enjoyed rough housing, real rough housing. We liked it. And when I played football, they taught us to hit and hit hard. Right, Elizabeth? I'm, I guess. Okay. <laughs> but then when I became a Christian, you know what? Christians are a gentler kind of sort on the overall. And I can remember as a young Christian had just come to Christ. I was, uh, I was playing touch football and we got lined up and we, and I just, I just reverted right back to the same old stuff. 
And I hit this kid so hard, the kid fell back on his back, knocked the wind out of him. Everybody rushed over. They're looking at me like, what in the world? It's touch football. And I felt so bad. And do you know, for years, I did not play touch football because I knew I needed to rein in some of that that I had fanned before. Some of that liking to hit and to hurt. And I had to rein that all in and realign that to what Christ would have me be like. Because definitely nobody wants a pastor who's knocking everybody all the way to the ground. Amen? You want that person that reflects the kindness of Christ. So here it tells us that part of God's goal for us is not only that we come together in unity of faith... But we understand the knowledge of the Son of God and the perfecting of Christ in us unto salvation. John 17, 3 says, And this is life eternal, that they might know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You and I, we need to know Christ. We need to know his word. We need to know his spirit in us. As he works through us and out of us. We need to understand Christ. Part of understanding Christ is coming to him in salvation. Recognizing I'm a sinner. He's the savior. Lord forgive me of my sins. I accept you as my savior. That's that perfecting of our soul in Christ. But then we grow mature in our knowledge of the son of God. That's God's goal for you. He wants to see us come together in unity and in the knowledge of the Son of God and the perfecting unto salvation. But I want you to go back with me to our text again because I told you we're going to look at six things in here. Your goal this morning is to look at these six things and say, yes, I'm going to reach for that. Look at verse 13 again. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is an interesting turn of phrase that he uses in the Bible. He wants us to visualize. He's saying he wants us to come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Jesus Christ. He's saying, I want you to be conformed to who Christ is. Not just in bad habits like playing too rough, but in every part of our lives, in our speech, in our thoughts, in our entertainment, in the way we treat one another. We strive towards being conformed to the image of Christ. Second Peter chapter three, verse 18 says, but grow in grace. And in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, to him be glory both now and forever. When we look at this, we understand that God has given us apostles. He's given us prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers, that we might strive towards the goal that he's laying out for us. Goals are a good thing. 
We constantly hear on the news that they're evaluating and looking at and examining the economy or this or that. And then the government sets new goals because they're hoping to impact in a positive way. Sadly, sometimes it happens in a negative way. But goals are what keeps moving you forward. Amen? Amen. A number of years ago, they redid in South Burlington, coming down Route 7. If you lived here during that time, what a mess up there. Amen? But did you notice it's done a couple years ago or more? And that's because they kept moving forward. Now, if they had stopped, like the loop up there in South Burlington that they stopped back 40 years ago and it's still sitting there, weeds are growing up in between the stuff. If they stopped, there'd be no progression made, right? You have to set that new goal each day. You say, okay, now we gotta, we've got to pave another 100 feet or 100 yards or 100 miles, whatever they're up to. They keep setting that goal and moving forward. In your life and in mine, you can't just sit back and say, oh, it's all too hard. It's just too hard. I'm not going to keep doing that. That's just too hard. Because you'll just stay there. Sandra Jo just got back from Texas. Her, her mom's 81. I think dad's 82. And he has, uh, he's got longhorn cows. He's got a horse. He's got a donkey. He has scaled down. He had much more than that. And she said to him, dad, isn't this a lot of work for you? He said, it is. But he said, you know, I'm old. And if I just sit down and don't do anything, I won't be able to get up and do anything. You and I in our Christian lives, listen, we have to strive towards the goals that God has for us. And one of those goals is being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And he is so descriptive about it. He wants us to strive towards the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. He wants you to get up each morning and say, Lord, shape me, make me like a potter in the clay. Help me to be conformed to who you want me to be. Let's go a little farther down. Look with me, if you would, at verse 14. And he's going to give us a couple more here. That we henceforth... Be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So he tells us here in verse 14, my goal for you is that you would be stable in your faith. That you'd know what you believe and why you believe it. That's all part of why he gave to us what? He gave to us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastor, teachers. Why? So that we would be stable in our faith. That's why church is important. Every once in a while, I talk to folks and they'll say, well, my church is out in the woods. I sit under a tree. Listen, you're not going to learn a lot. Just sitting out there listening to the wind blow by. Now, does that mean God is not there? He's there. He's everywhere. Does that mean you can't pray? You can. But you're not going to sit under the instruction of the apostles, the prophets, 
the pastor, the teacher, the evangelist, by being all by yourself off in some back corner of the earth. He's called us to the church. Did you know pastors did not create the church? In fact, if you go to the New Testament, do you know who created the church? Jesus himself. He's the one who established the church. He's the one who gathered together the first believers. He's the one who instructed and taught. He created the church. He's the one who empowered it with the Holy Ghost. We are part of his creation. When we look at this, we understand that he wants us to be stable in our faith. Listen again to the verse. He's so descriptive. That we henceforth be no more children. Tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men in cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Pastors talk. Did you know that? Pastors talk about pastors, churches, church business, evangelism, missions. Well, one of the things that I'll tell you, coming through COVID, Pastors talked and they said, how are you guys doing? Well, we're not doing all that great. You know, what are you doing? Well, we're live streaming with this, with that. Some guys had radios that went into their cars and they could preach and people could listen in the car. Everybody was trying to do everything. Just trying to minister, trying to do what they could. But then when we came out, came out of the whole COVID thing, and I'm praying by the grace of God, we're out. You really look for everybody to come back, but not everybody's come back. And so I put the word out. I keep encouraging and fanning and letting people know I love you and I miss you. But God wants us to come to his house. He wants us to come together. He wants us to encourage one another, exhort one another. He wants us to pray for one another and help one another. But he also wants us to grow in our faith so that we are stable and strong. Not like little children, blown to and fro, wavering from here and there. But, verse 15, look at what he goes on to say. Because remember, we're striving towards these goals. We're reaching, we're stretching. Listen to what he goes on to say in verse 15. But instead of being like a child tossed to and fro, but speaking the truth in love and may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. You and I are called to speak the truth in love. 1 John 5.20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given unto us an understanding that we may know that it is true and we are in him that is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. He wants us to boldly know who we are and what we believe. He wants us to not be blown about to and fro. He wants us to be in unity, one with another, striving to be like him in his image. Why? So that we can tell others. Speaking the truth in love 
may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. You and I, part of reaching for that goal, reaching for that top of the bowed wall, that works for me. You know, you run, you reach up. I can't believe people can do it. They, they grab that top and they hurl themselves over it. We're supposed to be doing that spiritually. And he says that last hold, that last grip is you and I telling the whole world about Jesus Christ with love. Now, once in a while, I do watch the American Ninja Warrior show because I can't believe people are in that good a shape. I didn't even know they made people like that. <laughs> they do things that I didn't even think were humanly possible. But when I watch that, I think to myself, man, that is, that's amazing. And so they pull themselves up over this last wall and then they have to hit a buzzer. And when they hit that buzzer, which means they survived all the other insanity to get there, they rejoice, they celebrate, they're thrilled. So my question to you as a Christian, as we strive to be all that God wants us to be, as we work to grow in our faith and all the things he's touched upon, being in unity, the knowledge of the Son of God unto the perfection of salvation, conforming to the image of Christ, being stable in our faith, are we rejoicing in telling others? Are we stepping up to the mic in love and saying, Jesus saves. He offers you hope, peace, guidance, rest. Or are we silent? You see that guy who pulls himself up over that wall and hits that buzzer? They don't just go, eh. Man, they're celebrating. Because they reach the goal. And you and I in our Christian lives, we should be excited about what God has done for us. We should be excited about the life he has given us. Sandra Joe and I have a brother-in-law who's in prison in Texas. And we were just talking this morning. I did not know this, but Texas does not air condition their prisons. Now, Texas is a hot place. And those things are a concrete box. So she was telling me, I guess, where our brother-in-law is, 115 degrees in the cells. Now, I'm, I have a hard time pillowing my head and going to sleep if it's much over 75. Never mind 115. Wow. So when I go to bed tonight, I'm going to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the life you've given me. Because I'm going to pillow my head in a room that's not going to be any hotter than 75 degrees. Thank you, Lord. I can get up in the morning. And you know what? I can go down and make myself a bowl of shredded wheat with iced coffee on it. That's what I do. I know. I know. Other people think I'm a wacko too, but it's okay. <laughs> Put my iced coffee on my shredded wheat. That's what I eat. I don't have to go stand in line with a bunch of burly guys who I'm afraid are going to steal my breakfast. 
because Sandra Joe, A, she's not a burly guy, and B, she won't eat shredded wheat with coffee on it. <laughs> but I go through my life, and you know what? I don't have to worry about living in a prison. Somebody said, not yet. <laughs> wow. Man, alive. Do they heckle you on your job? <laughs> I am very thankful to the Lord for the life I have, the life I live. I really am. And I don't hesitate to tell others. Listen, I'd love to see you in church. I'd love to see you bring your kids to worship. Why? I want those kids to grow up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that, you know what? They're not in a 115 degree cell having to fear for their breakfast and every ever their waking moment of their lives. I want them to grow up and have a, a spouse and children and a home. I want them to be able to come Sunday and worship and praise God and enjoy the blessings and freedoms that Jesus Christ gives us. You and I, we can't just sit down and say, oh, I got mine good enough. No, we have to come together in unity. We have to strive to understand and know Jesus Christ in our lives. We need to work towards becoming more like him, conform to his image. We need to be stable in our faith, not blown to and fro high one day down the next. And we need to speak the truth in love. We have a lost and dying world around us that needs to know the hope of Christ. They need to know there's something better if they'll just rest and trust in him. Mary and Debbie have come to join the church. If you'll stand right there. I visited with them and chatted with them, talked to them about their salvation. They both have received Christ as their savior. Both been scripturally baptized. They've been attending about two years, about two of the hardest years I've ever seen in the ministry. Um, and uh, have just been watching and they, they want to come and be a part of our church. So all those in favor with a good hearty amen. 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 Anybody opposed? I'm always relieved. Yes. Oh, yeah. I know they're not even heckling you. I know. All right. So praise the Lord. All of us are in favor. Come by, shake their hands. Or if not, I'm some folks are pretty nervous about that. Just wave them off if you don't want them to shake them. <laughs> but welcome in as part of our church family. Thank you so much for being here this morning. Let's have a word of prayer and we're going to be dismissed. Lord, do ask that you be with us as we go. Help us to be more than hearers, but doers of your word. We thank you that you do set goals out before us. That we don't become lax and indifferent. But that we understand you have expectations for us. Help us to strive towards them, Lord. Thank you for our church. Thank you for our brothers and sisters in Christ. In the Savior's name we pray, amen. amen.